hey fam, let's catch the moment. We open this space with the knowledge that the land in which we are located is occupied and unceded territories. On this, their traditional land and ancestral home, join us in acknowledging the tribal groups from where we personally vibe, including the Kickapoo, Kansas, Osage, Odos, Missouri, Padawami, Sioux, Shawnee, Wyandot, Choctaw, and Chitty Macha tribes. We look to you as we become better stewards of the land we inhabit. Peace and love. Let go. Yeah, I, I got lost. <laughs> What's up and welcome to the We Out Here podcast, a place to hear the stories of black, brown, and indigenous folks in science and nature. My name is Alexi G, coming to you from the lands of the Kumeyaay and the black lands down here in sunny San Diego in Southern California. And with me as always... <laughs> yeah, there she hey, is. Hey, that was fun. I like that. That felt very like Sunday morning on the radio. Oh, Sunday morning, rain is falling. Is that how? I go? Oh, we don't like him. Oh no, bye, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you got to keep up, Allison. Got to keep up. Got to keep up. Got to keep up. Yes, I am hailing once more and forevermore on my three-year sentence from the Narragansett lands on the settler map known as Providence, Rhode Island. Yes, yes, yes. Who lives there but money and students and a lot of Latina people? Hey, really? Hey. I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. It's a huge Latino population. It's pretty exciting, actually. So we have a special guest, our first guest of season two. Go Hi. ahead and introduce yourself with your name, your pronouns, and who you are. Hi. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm Julia Sheher. I'm coming from just outside the nation's capital where I was born, Chocolate City, I still call it. Yeah, Chocolate City. <laughs> Let's go. A lot of people have lived in this area, but it is a swampy mess, so they tended to pass through. But for example, the Patuxent are uh, one of the people who are known to have lived here. But again, if you've ever been here in the summer, you could see why people will be like, we'll be back for fishing <laughs> season, but ugh. I have a very boring job that is not relevant to this meeting. I write about uh, regulatory affairs. So if you're a physician, you care about what I have to say. Otherwise, when you're 65 and you need Medicare, if I'm still alive, you can ask me about it. Yes. But I am not a scientist of any sort. I'm just a nerd who likes to go outside. It's warming up here after being super cold. So um, mm -hmm. this weekend, I'm going to be out somewhere poking things with a stick and looking under rocks and stuff. So Julia is a very special person. She's actually our first forager of the season coming through. We love that. So I grew up in Missouri. So I've been, you know, poking things around with a stick in similar lands. But, you know, tell us a little bit about, you know, what what got you going outside first? First place, actually, my grandmother's front yard. I would yeah. go outside and I would dig around in there. I was always bringing gross things to my mom. When I was older, we lived right next to uh, Sligo Creek, which is a major creek system that runs through around D.C. And they would tell us things like the adults would say, now there are snakes out there. Don't go out where the snakes are. So where did we go? To where the snakes are. We went are, looking for the snakes. You know? <laughs> and then, and I'll say this, my mom was a camp counselor when she was in her 
late teens, early 20s. So she was fed up with the outdoors by the time I came home. (laughs) And then for whatever reason, like doing things like fishing and hunting and my family is very gender divided. And I don't think it like no one ever said like Mm. girls don't do that. It's just you just didn't get invited if you weren't a a boy. Yeah, yeah. Sounds like it. Okay, so in the pandemic, what was what was like your go to spot? If you weren't like out foraging, what was your like? Uh, on the fly, I got I got an extra hour, got an extra day, got a whatever. If I have an extra hour, there's a lake. And for people who aren't familiar with Maryland, we don't have natural lakes because everything's sliding into the bay. We have man-made ponds and man-made lakes. But it's a small, a large pond. And there's a trail around it and there are woods around the trails. And so I would head over there. There are lots of bike, biking, rock walking paths around here. If we had more time, you uh, grab the kayaks and throw them in the car and go any place they'll let you throw a kayak in the water. There aren't many places around here. The Potomac and the Anacostia, even though we do have two huge rivers, I'm not an experienced enough kayaker that I feel comfortable around big ships. Like anything that's moving sure, fast yeah, enough to yeah. leave like mm-hmm. a really deep wake. I feel very small and vulnerable because I am. Yep. <laughs> I'll say you absolutely are. <laughs> yeah. Uh... yeah. 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 It's like me, you know, it's like, okay, you just like, you know, you are the uh, sardine and here comes, you know, Moby Dick. But there are places within reasonable driving distance where you can, you know, throw a kayak in the water and have a nice paddle. But those are just two off the top of my head that, you know, those are, you know, kind of how we entertained ourselves. Is it story time? I think, is it? (laughs) Huh? Is it? It's story time. First of all, I will say at the outset that I have a couple of personality quirks that don't go well with going outside. Okay. I don't have much of a sense of direction. (laughs) I'm horrible about wandering off. So I'll go out with man who was crazy enough to ask me to marry him will go outside somewhere and he'll say don't wander off this time and I'll say I'm not going to wander and maybe I will finish the sentence or maybe I'll already be like you know walking away from them <laughs> and I hate to admit that like I can't fix a problem so we are who we are one of the things you're not supposed to do when you get lost is try to undo that that does not fit well with, I have a problem and I will fix it. When you're lost, what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to stop and you're supposed to signal for help. The other thing, of course, about when you're foraging is, I'm not going to say we are breaking the law when you're foraging because that would be a dumb thing to say in a recording, but you're supposed to be cool about it, right? Like, you're not like, oh, look at me, I'm finding all this stuff, yay! So... What happened was we were in an area, I'll say it was, it's within an hour of D.C. because I'm not giving away my That's hunting right, spot. Don't give away your spot. Um, <laughs> we're within yeah. about an hour drive of Washington, D.C. Everything out yeah. here is part of the Appalachians. It's, or it's, you know, it's trailing off of it. It's very hilly, lots of very steep hills, the kind where like you get like cramps when you're walking up them. And the oh, valleys, yeah. it's... Uh, very lush woods, lots of tulip tree, which is one of the things you're looking for when you're looking for morels. Lots of kind of that mid-level growth. So like, you know, these 
well-developed dogwoods, pawpaw trees. It's just, and then, you know, the ground is very lush. You've got your spring beauty and ferns and violets. It's just almost like, you know, it's like if you were to, as I describe it, I feel like people are thinking, she's talking about something she saw in a Disney movie. And I swear to you, this is real life. You can see it every spring. But we went and it feels it, unreal. It's, it's, just, it's gorgeous. And then, you know, of course, you have the tulip trees with their little leaves in the early spring. They're bright green. Mm-hmm. If you're lucky, it's a clear blue day. So you have this beautiful contrast, fluffy clouds. Again, it sounds like, you know, all you need is like a lost woman who's like being hunted by like her evil stepmother's henchmen and some dwarves. <laughs> and you've got yourself a Disney movie. But my boyfriend at the time, again, the crazy man had identified this area as a place we could check out. And we've mm. been there a couple of times and we had found, you know, 10 or like a dozen, which at the time, because I didn't think they grew out here. He thought they might. At the time to me, that was a lot because when you, and when you go foraging for morels, are trying to get a mess and a mess is, enough mushrooms so that everyone who was eating them feels like they got some. So it's not a set number. Wait, so uh, so like a mess, a mess is like uh, a volume amount? Like a like a bunch of leaves. Right. But okay. it's, like, it's just like however many, like so if you have two people, ten would be a mess because you each get five mushrooms. So you'd be like, it wouldn't okay. feel like, you know, put out. If you had twenty people, you'd have to expand the number so that each person got however many that they felt was enough. You're not going to like gorge yourself on morels. You're going to be like, okay, I I got a few morels. So it's not a determinate number, but that's... How big are they, Julia? Yeah, I would say like the, uh, an adult index finger, like that's when you want to start picking them. They can get up to like a foot long. Okay. Wait, really? Yeah, they get pretty huge. Oh my God. Okay, so for the audience listening who've never heard of a morel before, these are, they're essentially a little mushroom. They're like the fruiting body of a mushroom that has this like almost honeycomb pattern at the top, but they, if I'm remembering right, they don't really get very broad. They stay like pretty narrow. They get like little cones. Yeah, yeah. And they're like brown and gold, if I'm right. Yellow, gray, dark gray, light gray. They're even like black ones come up early. There's a a half free kind that is more like, it's just the head. But they are very distinctive looking. And one of the things I'll just put in just to be responsible, of course, is anything you eat that you find outside that you're going to eat, make sure you know exactly what it is you're putting in your mouth. Yes. Because your best case scenario, sometimes if you get poisoning, is you just spend a weekend pooping and puking. That's your best case scenario. (laughs) (laughs) Worst case scenario is... You melt slowly from the inside over a period of days. Terrifying. Yes. Horrifying. And there, there is, I will say, there's a lookalike for a morel, but you have to kind of want to imagine it. But they're very distinctive looking, and we joke that they're camouflaged. We joke that they somehow know that these bipeds, these hominids, will be out hunting for them every spring because they blend in very well with whatever, you know, undergrowth they're growing in. But I would say, you know, when they get to be about the length of your fingers, when you want to, you can start picking them. If they're smaller, we just leave them. And if they're, they get really huge, they become kind of woody. So we'll take a picture of one of those and just like show it because they're not great to eat. 
But we went to this new spot that we had, and we used to stay in just, it was like an acre of space, and it was between two hills, very steep, next to this fast-moving creek, and near a heavily used path. So your chances of getting lost were zero, unless you, like, shut your eyes and, like, you know, put your hands over your head and just blundered into the creek or something. I actually, I found some notes about this. Really? Yeah. I'm that much of a nerd. This was in, <laughs> this was in uh, 2002, so 20 years ago. We would go to the spot every weekend because that's all the time we had off. We would pick them for a couple hours. And in 2002, we found the first outing. We found about 50. And that was an amazing amount. And again, to me, like, I wasn't sure, like, how well they grew out here. If they, you know, it's like, I knew they grew out here because we found them. But I didn't think they would grow like they did out like here in the Midwest, where it's like people will be lugging like, you know, garbage bags full of them out of the woods. So we found 50 in this one spot. And we must have looked across the creek and seen them growing over there where we'd never seen them before. Because when you get these really, like, good years we've discovered, they just don't grow anywhere. They become less particular. They grow out of the dirt. So they're not growing on wood, but they just start showing up everywhere. So we went across the creek and I was like, well, I'm going to climb this hill. And again, it was very steep, very high. And at the back of my mind, like I was thinking even then, I need to, I knew, I know I have no sense of direction. It was also, this was a day, and I remember this because we'll find out why. It was cloudy. There was like just you know, complete cloud cover. The sun was like a theoretical point that you knew was there because it wasn't dark out. But it was, there was no like, okay, well, the sun's over here. So if I knew what the heck I was doing, I could say that's west, but I can't. So I don't know how much difference it made. But I was like, I'm going to go straight up this hill and I'm going to keep moving in a straight line. So all I have to do is backtrack and I'll get back to this starting point. But as... I'm sure you know, if you're walking up a hill that doesn't have a path and you're avoiding boulders and stepping over logs and down trees and trying to avoid like this huge spider web you don't want to walk through. I mean, I was off course before I was halfway up the hill. Yeah. no. (laughs) And then, you know, to make, you know, improve everything, when I looked back at one point, I'd kind of gone over like a little bump and I couldn't see the creek. But I thought, well, I haven't turned too far to the left or right I had but I must still have the creek behind me and so I get to the top of this hill finally and I remember and it, it's still there there's this empress tree which is a I just discovered it's it's an invasive I felt kind of sad about this it has these beautiful trumpet shaped purple flowers and they have this scent that's almost like artificial grape it's almost like great bubblegum scent that they have. But that was there. And there was the remains of like, you know, the wooden post for a fence. Because the other interesting thing about a lot of the green space around here is at one point it was farmland. It was completely occupied. And okay. I forget why people left this area, but they turned it into a park. So there was, you know, this roll fence post. Oh, so you can see like the remnants of where the old yeah, farm was. Yeah, so they must have they must have had, you know, oh. some sort of cattle or something they were grazing up there. And you'll find like, you know, stone walls and, and remnants of um, 
of stuff. It's one of the, uh, I, I don't know, it feels like a commentary on something that, you know, back in the day, uh, people did not have municipal dumps and people who came to pick their garbage up, people had garbage dumps that were like far enough away from their home that they weren't offended by whatever they were throwing away. So you could find, you know, bottles and cups and stuff just kind of in the middle of the woods. And that's how you know, like, okay, there was a house around here, even if you can't see anything else. Anyway, I get to the top of the hill and I can see the undergrowth is ideal. You know, again, you're looking for like spring beauty, cleavers, chickweed, or these are all things that I used to see morels growing in. And then there was also lots of, uh, wild grapevine hanging from the trees. They like that. They like debris, I think. So, you know, tulip trees have those okay. little cones and the little weight keys that come out. Wild grapevines, you know, they've got all the, like, shaggy bark on them. They seem to like that sort of thing. And I look around, and sure enough, there are morels. And just, like, usually when you're hunting for them, it's like those old drawings that I could never figure out where, like, if you stare at it long enough, like, another picture comes out. <laughs> yeah, I I was so bad at those I, as a kid. I, I could I was never get them to work, and I, I I wasn't wearing glasses at the time it turned out, and even that may have been part of the reason why. But that's what looking for morels is usually <laughs> like. Is you will you can literally stare at a spot for a couple of minutes, nothing there. You look away, you look back. Holy cow! My eyes were just oh, and they're just kind of like tucked up under. I can't explain. And it's like, like kind of peeking the light out. Hits it the right way, or your the angle of your glance hits huh. it the right way, but. I mean, I, everyone, and not just myself, my husband, you know, his family, like, everyone has stepped over one and had someone come up behind them and say, oh, look, there's one. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah, but this, that wasn't happening this time. It's just like, I just had to look around and there they were. So I started doing what we were there to do, which is I started picking morels. And I still thought I was lined up properly with where I need to go back to. I was moving to the right. And the other thing, of course, about these valley systems is you can easily walk from one to the other and not realize you left it. And then you start Whoa. getting into like, okay, I'm in a valley that's kind of tucked into a hill that runs into another valley system. And there's a ridge up here that kind of looks like the one I was just on, but it's not. And I think even if I, if I'd been paying attention like, I'm just walking. Maybe I would have spent less time <laughs> out in the woods. But I was also, I was looking down at my feet. I was looking for morels, and I was finding them. And I just was just slowly being drawn deeper and deeper into these woods. Yep. So it wasn't even like, you know, gosh, you know, I've just been walking for a while. I need to, like, start thinking about where when to go back. It's like, <laughs> I'm going to get more morels than Bill this time, haha, <laughs> you know. And so it started to get drizzlier, and the wind started to blow, and, you know, all the moisture that was accumulated on the leaves was starting to fall down. Uh, yeah. Yuck. And if I didn't say it already, I'm going to say what I was wearing. Decent shoes, decent socks, because I knew I knew that. Like, I'm a nerd. I had read about being outside. And, of course, if you read something, that's the same as doing it, right? But I also had on jeans, and I had on this flannel jacket shirt with a quilted lining. In other words, very absorbent material that, you know, now in the day of like, you know, performance wear and breathable and, you know, water shedding, it sounds really stupid, but that's what I could afford then. And I didn't give it any thought. It's like, this is stuff that like, I don't mind if it gets dirty. That was my, what do we wear outside? Yeah. 
I saw I started mm-hmm. to get a little damp. <laughs> but I was still finding morels. And I was still just kind of trucking along. And I finally got to a spot that, like, we go past it every year. A really big tulip tree had gone down probably within, you know, that season or, you know, the season before. And it was next to another one that was a bit older that had gone down. And there was just this big mass of morels in between them. And I remember I finished picking all the ones I could find. And I looked up and I looked to my right. I could see trees, of course. And I could see them going down into this valley. And it was very misty. And so I'm not agoraphobic or claustrophobic. But it was just this bizarre combination of, okay, I know I'm in a huge open space, but I I could not see that far. And I also realized that the only thing I'd heard for a couple of hours were the resident birds. So, you know, like I heard blue jays, I'd been, you know, some Carolina wrens, no outings complete. And if you don't hear crows, like encountering like an owl or a hawk and like, you know, having this huge, like square fest. And then, you know, squirrels and then, you know, I'd spook some deer, but that's all I had seen of other living things for a while. And that's what's like, eh, it's time to head back. But of course, where <laughs> was back? I guess now yeah, it's time. It's, yeah, it was starting to get it. Like if I had been inside, I would have been saying like, you know, it's time to turn on some lights so I don't trip over a cat and break my leg. Okay. So it's like sunset. It was just getting dark because it was so cloudy. So it was probably, well, it actually was four o'clock. So it was, you know, the sun was going down, but it was also just, the, there was so much cloud cover and this mist exactly that yeah. my field of vision was just getting shorter and shorter. And I, I really did not like that because I, again, completely unfamiliar area. Like you said, if something scary appears on the horizon, where do you run? Like, I didn't know like which way was safety versus which way was like, oh, there's a cliff. <laughs> you know, And so I was, thought, I think I have enough burrows now. And oh, look at the time. I, 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 I bet the person who told me not to wander off is getting pretty steamed right about now. But that bumped into, I will fix it myself. I will not ask for help. I will certainly not alert like a park ranger to my presence back in here where, you know, did you see the sign saying, please stay on the path? Oh, is this in the path? <laughs> I thought the creek was a path. Oh, no. Am I not oh, on the path? Gosh. Sorry, officer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so silly. No, you can't see what's in this big bulging bag of mushrooms. Get away. Get away. <laughs> I, I tried to fix it myself. And I thought, well, I knew I had drifted a little bit. I thought I had drifted a little bit. What I really done was kind of walk in an arc. Probably about three miles. You know, going up and down and, you know, out of my way to get some morels and come back. So I was traveling very slowly and I just slowly worked my way almost to the other side of the park, it turned out later. So I was trying to fix it by just heading back in what I thought was a straight line without any way of like, you know, I wasn't like trying to track my footsteps. I was kind of trying, like, maybe I recognize that tree. Or is it that tree over there? Well, oh, there's another dead apple tree over there. Well, obviously, like, it, it did not make things any better. I guess the, the other thing I, I want to say that and I actually checked this yesterday. Google Maps was created in 2005. It was launched in 2005, and it lived on your computer. I had one of those little flip cell phones at the time. 
that if you're standing right next to the tower, you'll get a signal. If you are in a valley that's beside a hill that's in a deeper valley, you ain't getting jacked. I did have a whistle because I had, like a nerd, read you should take a whistle with you when you're out in the woods in case you need the signal for help. I did not want to use the whistle because that would mean, like, I failed at being outdoors. But eventually it was getting dark and I knew Bill would either be very worried or disgusted enough just to leave me to my own devices in the woods for the evening. Not really, but I knew that he would be worried. I was worried and I'm always the last person to worry. So I blew my whistle and he did not have a whistle because he doesn't get lost. He's got a great sense of direction. He was traveling in a straight line like I had intended to do. So he replied by cawing like a crow. Does his sound like a real crow, or does it sound does it sound it like a person doing a, like crow. a crow to make the crows angry? They started yelling like, you know, shut up, your accent stinks. How dare you say that about our mother? Hey, crow. <laughs> what did you say, buddy? Am I, you hear the, the nerve? The nerve. But I, it was enough that I could tell it was him. He's from the other side of the tracks. Yes, yes, it's like oh. Of course, you know, when you're in that kind of terrain, the sound does weird things. And so at one point I walked away from him because that's where I thought he was. I started walking back towards like where I had been lost and kept whistling and kept calling. The crows kept, I think eventually they left because they were just disgusted. But I eventually got high enough that I could get a better sense of where he was. And at this point, I was damp. My feet were wet. I was, you know, my jacket had taken on water. I just was not happy. I was like, this was dumb. This was my fault. (laughs) But at least I had a big bunch of morels to show the guy who was like, I told you not to wander off. And, (laughs) you know, it's just, um, you know, and I I did have to apologize because he was worried. Because, you know, it's a strange space. You don't, you know, I I don't enter the woods thinking like, oh, I'm going to meet some, you know, scary axe murderer. But it's a strange space. And if you're in an unfamiliar space, like I said, you can't, you don't know how to get out of situations because you don't know where anything is. Right, right, right. So he had been worried. And so it was a good thing I had like a bag of like over 100 morels to show him. So it's like, oh, well, she's not completely useless. And um, (laughs) I, at that point, was relieved to see him because I did eventually have to admit myself. I was very lost. So he forgave me enough to let me, you know, drive back home. We had about 200 mushrooms that day, which was far and above anything we ever gathered. We took them home. We, of course, we cooked as many as we could. And the next weekend, we went out and we found five pounds of morels, which is... That's a lot. Because, again, you're talking about the average is, you know, as long as your index finger, they're hollow, they're not super heavy. We try, like, I don't know many people who eat them. Like, I I tell my coworkers every year, every year for the past however many decades, in the early spring or April and May, I go hunting mushrooms. And I tell my co-workers this every year, and every year they look at me like I am an insane person. 
or they think I'm looking for hallucinogenics and I'm just kind of announcing that I'm like a big slob. <laughs> but no one, like we tried, like tried, like finding a, a restaurant that would take some of them. But of course, they're like, why are we trusting complete strangers not to kill all our customers? Go away. Right, right. We wound up sending most of them back to his family because in okay. Indiana, it's almost a competitive sport. Yeah. You know, you see people park on the side of the road and they're all in the woods. Yeah. And one of our nephews said to us this uh, when we were there for Christmas, he's like, you're either first or you're lucky or you don't get it. So we yeah. sent them to his family and they were thrilled because everyone got enough. And he's got a good sized family. Everyone got enough. And his two sister-in-laws who live out there were like, we're coming to visit you next year. It's become a tradition that they come out here with they hang out, we hunt. You know, some years we get skunked, which is a term for like, you go out and find one sat and roll. Most years, you know, again, we get a mess. And actually, for when we got married, I won't say finally, when we did get married, we didn't have a big wedding. We went to a large park that had cabins to stay in. That's what and I'm talking about. We started the day off hunting for morels. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So it's like a great way to, again, you know, you can wander off by yourself and get lost. Or you can hang out with your family members. If you ask me, did I get lost during our wedding party outing? I will say no comment. <laughs> and I'll end my story there. That is, that is fabulous. Man. <laughs> Okay. So, yeah. Allison. Yeah. Allison. If someone walked up to you oh. right now and offered you a morel mushroom, would you I think eat it? I would be intrigued, especially it would need to be seasoned more than just the flour. Like garlic. Ooh, yeah, yeah, Are there yeah. some onions? Are there some vegetables? Maybe I need it knee deep in the meal, but still the star of the meal, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Ooh, I could see, I could see some garlic, like that butter that you're sautéing it, a little bit, like yeah. sauté a little bit of garlic in there first. No, Julia, she's she's no, like, she's absolutely saying, not. she's saying don't mess, don't just mess grace. with it. We found just it already. I would say leave some, just like a little, like a little salt and a little flour. Try those, and then if you have enough to experiment with, do that. Yeah. But again, that yeah. flavor, you're not gonna get it anywhere else. Yeah. She said, "Don't experiment on Thanksgiving." If we if we have a good year this year in 2023, I will uh, try it. But again, I just, by the time you're done hunting, you're just so glad to have any. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's like, yeah. you might be a little tired. So you might be feeling a little bit like, oh, let's just stick with what we know. That makes sense. That Right. So, <laughs> so Julia, are there any other like things that you've gone like foraging for or looking for or like, you know, scoping out for in the woods? We, um. For the first time this earlier this year, we hunted for we not hunted we foraged for pawpaws, which pawpaws. are okay. They're almost a weed down here. If you like, if you look into the woods, like if you're walking along a path and there's a creek anywhere in the vicinity or any body of water, look into the woods. You'll see these big kind of like pear shaped leaves. That's your clump of pawpaws. They range in taste from like like a honeydew melon crossed with a banana or a mm-hmm. mango. And then sometimes they're like a little bitter. Yeah. But again, they're another thing where like 
you know, you might see them in a market, but they do not travel well. They do not store. It's yeah. not like a banana where you can stick it in a paper bag and it'll ripen. They'll just get gross. Yeah, yeah. There's one of those things where you have to like just go for it and get it yourself. Mm-hmm. But they are yeah, much they're, easier they're to of, find than a morel. Yeah, they're kind of Sorry. ephemeral like that where like it's like you're kind of being blessed by the land, but you can't take it with you in a way. Oh, or you yeah. can't keep it for very long. It no, doesn't have a, they just don't have a long shelf life. Yeah. And the thing with, of course, with pawpaws is you are like, I've never seen any sign of anything eating morel, like an, another critter. It's hmm. just humans are the only people who are the only critters that like them. Pawpaws, open season. And you're competing yeah. with squirrels who can get up yep. there and like, you know, get them and, you know, raccoons and whatever. But yeah, pawpaws, we just tried them this year. I wish I could have gotten more and it's funny i know there are people in my neighborhood who hunt them so already i'm like scheming that's like okay where am i gonna go where am i gonna find them we did find them also in the area where we find morels but like i said they're verging on weed status i think because they they just need a little bit of shade and they're fine all right it's that time in the show again julia it's sh- shout out time so julia who would you like to give some Person shout outs organization to? Park. Well, I better give one to my mom or I'll be yeah. in huge amounts of trouble. <laughs> I, I get, like I, I, I said earlier, like she put up with my inquisitiveness and grubbiness and just getting in the dirt and going into the woods where she didn't want me to go. She encouraged me to do that. She would buy me books about being outside. So even though she probably would have preferred a cleaner, less roaming about but first child who did not you know wasn't quite so much of a handful she did encourage that curiosity in me and even though she would not eat a morel if you paid her in a way she is responsible for the fact that i do go out and hunt for them yeah and at the end of the day aren't we all just trying to raise kids who can feed themselves yes go go eat and stop bothering me for food (laughs) go find a mushroom yes (laughs) for yourself excellent excellent well we appreciate having you on thank you so much for joining us and telling us of your exploits out in the woods especially getting lost and finding your way you're a hero shoot thanks for having me on guys i really appreciate it <laughs> we out We Out Here podcast is Allison Jones and Alexi Grusis. Show theme by Spencer Stead. Show graphics by Khalif Gillette. And lead editing by Patrick Emeribe. If you like this episode, please take a moment and hook us up with a five-star rating. And if you love it, drop a review wherever you listen to your podcast. Now, if you're rolling in that paper and you want to support the podcast, join our Patreon at patreon.com slash weouthearepod. This is how we generate funding for our current and future seasons. Our Patreon is also how we pay our editors guests and hopefully one day our producer now you'll get bonus content access and a chance to ask our guests questions also starting this month we have new exclusive merch for five dollars and up uh so get get a part of that you know get that black tote it's fire now you can follow us on twitter at we out here pod and on instagram at the we out here pod if you're a black, brown, or indigenous person in science or nature, and you have a funny or notable experience out in the world, please hit us up on social media or on our email at weouthearepod at gmail.com. Now, on a more somber note, 
from DAPL to the ongoing attempts to raise a thrice-stolen forest in Atlanta, Georgia. Some of the greatest dangers black, brown, and indigenous folks face in the outdoors are at the hands of those employed by the state through our taxes. While this week has been yet another one of great pain in the black community, let us hold on to a vision of the future. Future where life is precious, water is sacred, and the air is pure. A vision where community safety is not promised through violence, but is guaranteed through the bolstering of our material conditions and the protections of our lands. In solidarity, we outside. Suburb Crow.